Okay, this okay. means the recording has started. Great. Right. Um, Let's start. And, and yeah. cool. All right. You want, you want to say something? <laughs> no, I'm just nervous as to. <laughs> so take hey, the lead, please. This is two people chatting, man. That's it. Like, there's no other audience, so we can do whatever we want. Oh, great. You've done it like what hundred times already over phone. So just a repeat of the same. Oh, cool. <laughs> And and I feel right. so super comfortable with you, so nothing to be worried right. about. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Let's okay. go. <laughs> so welcome to Content Factory, folks. Uh, so after a long hiatus, we are back. Um, I have a very very special friend with me. uh who is going to be with us for the for the future um of content factory uh introducing rd i'm calling him rd and his name is rudresh sahia hey man hi wow, hey. okay <laughs> right so uh, uh, is, yeah yeah hmm. go on go on please introduce oh introductions we're doing okay yeah yeah so yeah um happy to be here largely um i think i'll be uh, sort of trying to navigate the podcast with with uh, gautam let's see how this goes um yep yeah yeah, yeah. So to give you a brief introduction about rd he's a um, he's somebody who works in the social sector um you know he works for the people betterment of people uh, brings in technology um for the betterment of people that's the area that he works in and uh, yeah he's 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 somebody who has a lot of similarities with with me in terms of con- consuming content he he he's a he's, he he consumes a lot of podcasts he watches a good good bunch of movies he reads a lot of articles so we share a lot of similar interests and that is one of the things that that brought us together to create in this podcast uh and as you know content factory is all about recommending good content out there so more people we have consuming quality content we can you know our, our recommendations obviously get get better better so yeah welcome rd uh, it's great great to have you here and uh, this this was a very i have <laughs> god god complex now <laughs> so yeah. so I'm, i'm expecting a lot of humor here uh, since you are the in house comedian and me house musician uh, oh, so <laughs> okay so yeah, yeah so that that's so we are done with introduction so let's let's move to the you know some of the yes. topics that caught our attention this week yeah and so first, first topic has to be i think it has to be the cricket world cup the t20 world oh, cup oh yes 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 so yes. what are any any thoughts <laughs> How, <laughs> a lot of thoughts yeah a lot of thoughts here i mean to be honest you know when it started when it started rolling out mm-hmm. um you know say a month back four weeks back uh, i didn't expect a lot because you know T20 World Cups um, usually becomes a very repetitive process because there are a lot of leagues now. T20 leagues, people are yeah. very much used to people playing a lot of T20 cricket around the around the year, right? So I was thinking, what what better can a T20 World Cup offer, right, to a person like me who who rigorously follows cricket a lot, and uh, also the fact that cricket World Cup now happens two years in two years, right, in two years gap. Hmm. So you know, which means it's not that. you know it's not like a you know four years gap where you get to see international players coming in competing in a multinational tournament this is more frequent now so everybody is used to seeing people performing and and because of the covid the previous world cup just finished in 2021 so it's only a year now uh, it got delayed and it happened 2021 so right. it's, it has only been years since the last world cup got finished 
Um, but the common thread uh, of this World Cup and the previous World Cup has been the fact that India lost out again. Um, and that's a very sad aspect of it. Um, yeah. I was super excited in the initial part. Well, how, how excited were you uh, in the run-up to the World Cup? Um, I think I, I was... Uh, this India-Pakistan match was really the one that really got me into this. Because yeah. the last over, I think, everyone was talking about it and it happened to fall around Diwali. So, everyone was like, uh, Diwali to ab aaj hi ho gaya <laughs> because of the <laughs> World Cup match. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so many people wanted this to happen in finals also, something around that. But the way it turned out, um, one comment I feel have been going through a lot of Twitter uh, threads also. Everyone is like, you know, we need to understand the importance of young young, Mm. uh, sports uh, person, right? Mm. How how they can contribute better. Mm. And what do you think about that? Do you you think like age has become a factor, which is definitely, you know, is, is it... Affecting the format as such? Yeah, yeah, I think age is one factor. Uh, and along with the age, the other factor is the mindset to which they approach uh, this, this format of the game, right? So um, the, the, the opinion that I have of the Indian style of approaching T20s is that it's very outdated now. Because if you look around the teams that have been successful in T20 format, uh, have been the teams who've adopted so-called, of a so-called modern, modern style of batting, right? Uh, and modern style of playing cricket as a whole. So when you say yeah. modern, when I say modern cricket, what I mean is a very aggressive, very um, uh, you know uh, goal oriented, team oriented um, approach to batting. So so you can't basically if you're starting if you're if you start if you're starting the batting, you can't play slowly. You can't you can't. There is no concept of laying a base or you, there is no concept of being an anchor. Yeah. You you start hitting from the ball one. You start showing intent and you you you. Create the team in a way that you know you're batting deep. So if you're batting deep, then you know players up top have more liberty to take the risk and go for the talk, go for the risk, riskier shots, and you know get better rewards. And you and you you start putting up a in your mind you start putting a higher score as a target score, and mm. there you're presenting yourself a greater chance of winning, right? And India has been especially bad in this. Uh, India's top three or top four, except for Sky Pandya and Virat. Have been yeah. very um, uh, very outdated in their approach. You know, uh, they've they've been consuming a lot of balls. They've been, you know, to the extent that I've seen in some matches, KL Rahul leaving the ball. Uh, first four balls, he's been leaving the ball, which is unimaginable in cricket in T20 cricket because every ball is an event. Right, so yeah, right. I, mean, I was I was a little disappointed seeing that. I was just a little disappointed because it was the same approach. That led us to, um, you know, knocking ourselves out in the previous World Cup, and we and and, and I was really hopeful about this World Cup because in in between the period of from the 2021 World Cup end of 2000 World Cup till this period in the start of the beginning of the World Cup, we were play, we were really playing aggressive cricket. You know, Rohit Sharma yeah. and Rahul Dravid has come out and you know and and and, and expressed themselves and said that you know we are going to change the way we play. We're going to be more we're going to be more aggressive about things. Um, but yet, when, when at the time when the, that crucial match happened, uh, they 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 went back to their old ways, and you know, certainly you know, apparently it didn't it didn't work well. So yeah, a little bit of uh, disappointment there. Not because we lost, but the way we lost, right? Correct. Yeah. But, but also, like this is from like the batting point of view. Right. I feel from bowling, uh, uh, Ashdeep is someone who like I wasn't ex- I wasn't even aware that okay this person 
is there in the team and uh, surprising sort of performance largely how do you feel about that yeah yeah i mean this guy has been a proven uh, you know if 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 you've been following ipl this guy has been a, a proven performer over there consistently right. turning up for his uh, franchise king silan punjab bowling all the tough overs you know up top and 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 in the middle overs and in the death overs so he's pretty much a rounded bowler like bumrah right so when mm. we lost out and when when we when we came to know that bumrah got injured um you know everybody was like panicky okay do we have a person who can come in and uh, fill in the, the death over slot right but the way ashdeep has taken up that mantle even though he's so young i think he's in the early 20s if i'm not wrong and with very less interest yeah 23 years imagine a 23 year old guy who's turning up on world's biggest stage playing for one of the world's biggest teams uh, bowling one of the toughest overs against one of the biggest hitters of the modern day cricket and uh, right. you know making them uh, keeping them silent that's that's something that's let's say something about that uh, that person's character also so i think huge um huge plus for india in that sense to have arshadeep has emerging as one of the top performers in the tournament uh, although i would say that you know he got very less support uh, from other yeah. bowlers of the team especially bhuvanesh bhuvanesh kumar and, and shami um and i wouldn't blame them too much because to be very honest they are not your top t20 bowlers in my mind mm. because bhuvanesh kumar is that kind of a bowler who bowls up front he gets a lot of swing if the uh, circumstances assisted but if not it's just uh, going to be a very passive way of bowling and and batters can easily you know go for runs in that and shami you know it's not you know he's he's a very good one day bowler and test bowler but not a hey. t20 bowler because he doesn't have the variety that that is that requires of him uh, of a success bowler in t20 so yeah this is what i feel about the bowling and spinners mm. w- was an effective match because you know australia is known for spin bowling yeah and uh, you know with uh, both of them being finger spinners which is even more difficult uh, in in australian pitches you know we i think we got our selections wrong because we didn't pick chahal uh, also uh, who is a rich spinner so yeah that's what i feel about the bowling overall hmm. yeah yeah correct i i also was not very surprised when i saw south africa sort of lose to netherlands i think oh yeah um, that was that was like I mean I think they're labeled as sort of chokers or something right, right? Correct, which correct. Um, yeah that was one yes. so yeah. south african south africa has a rich history of losing out these matches right these crazy matches either due to some rain or some some natural intervention or uh, you know some 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 either through a divine intervention or some some their own inabilities They, they they find themselves they find ways to lose these matches these critical knockout matches right uh, mm. they would suddenly from a position of winning they would see they would just knock themselves out so this was such a case right where you know some a match with netherlands was like more or like a uh, um, procedure for them like not even a contest for them if you look at it in that sense yeah. but yet they they managed to lose it and one particular image that uh, stays in my mind is a uh, the catch that is taken by a country called the the guy's name he's a he's a south african origin player uh, playing okay. for netherlands i think it's vandermer or something i can i don't know if i'm pronouncing it right so he's, okay. he's a sort of a veteran he played for south africa before and now he's playing for netherlands because i think his parents are from netherlands or something and uh-huh. and there is this informed batsman uh, in south african side called david miller and he hit this shot he, he tried to pull a bouncer of some sort and then he the ball uh goes long way up and it swirls and it it drifts 
so you know and and this guy is running um towards a ball with his back uh against a batsman so it's a very tough catch to take right so you mm-hmm. you're looking up and then you're seeing your ball is on top of your head and right. it's very you know it's very hard to like just that catch and then you and he managed to you know, to hold on to that catch and that say something and uh, you know and and the way netherlands came together and and they celebrated it and and also the fact that because of this win now netherlands gets a qualification for the next world cup they don't have to pay the qualification match and right. and, and it's a huge plus right and it's a huge plus for the team and and and, and to me and what it goes on to show uh, in a larger sense of the game is that there are a lot of smaller teams that are ready to play yeah. it that are ready to to be there at the level of the top teams if they are given enough opportunity to to compete right mm. um and and i think it is this is the right time for it because there are a lot of t20 leagues who have which has enough opportunities for everyone not like you know you have one global tournament now you have multiple global tournaments as t20 leagues across different nations so if you are able to showcase your talent in such a in in a, in a world cup like this you will have takers everywhere so i think you know netherland cricket and other smaller teams like ireland scotland and and you know all those teams um, can mm. only grow from here yeah. yeah that's that's definitely something icc needs to also look at yeah. um but yeah hey, that's that's uh, great in terms of a topic that we have covered <laughs> let's <laughs> let's uh, move to the next one so we have the next topic as um, twitter and elon musk <laughs> so so it, it so ironically it's been it's been trending in twitter right elon musk has been trending in twitter ever since uh, yeah. he has announced the takeover yeah, yeah and it's also ironic like he he's he made his uh, twitter handle as like hotline some complaint hotline ah, and stuff yes. and then people are complaining on twitter about twitter and it's <laughs> been an it's just like inception of some <laughs> level so yeah yeah uh, so uh, it's definitely entertaining i don't know about like how futuristic it is going to be um because a lot of people i think what ended up happening was a lot of people were like uh, you know 8 or 10 dollars was it earlier it's lot it's a lot of money then someone was like nay make this 8 dollar and a lot of like fake accounts uh, yeah. started coming up with that right. and even elon musk had <laughs> the own fake account yes so, It, that got very difficult. I don't know what was the point behind having this uh, blue tick commercialized that way. But I think, uh, I think for me, uh, for as far as I understand this, it has been the point behind is pretty simple. Is the fact that you uh, you need to. I mean, if you are the CEO of Twitter, you you're looking for a revenue stream. You're looking for money. Um, and and given how people are against having advertisements, uh, you know. they're they're more inclined they they my sense is they're more they'll be more inclination to pay for a service like that rather than to have a feed full of advertisements right so uh, it's it's a simple matter of having that revenue stream and i don't know i don't know if this is the right way forward only the time will tell uh, because <clears throat> uh, for me as i understood before as i understood the whole idea of uh, blue tick has been uh, so it's a matter of status and and pride and and your cloud in in the internet economy and larger internet pop culture right whether you know it's almost like you know you've made it uh, in that sense if you're an influencer or if you're somebody if you're a celebrity if you have a blue tick and yeah. your twitter account it almost signifies your cloud so i think that will change because now everybody will get a shot at having their blue tick right 
Correct. So, I, it's also like, I feel, I don't, I just remember this from one of the novel Ravikant's conversations, where yeah. it's like, the, there there are two sort of societies. One is like status-based society, ah. um, and the other one is more like, you know, you're trying to make progress in a different direction, which is knowledge-based. Yeah. So, it's definitely that game being played. Um, right. But do you feel like, generally, like what Twitter is right now and what Elon Musk is thinking of Twitter will be your the idea is there some alignment that you feel is possible uh, and if yes then what kind of future do you think this um, poses hmm, it's a very interesting question right? I mean um, Twitter for most people has been uh, this very liberating space where they come and express themselves either for good or for bad right um, a lot of a lot of people who abuse it I agree, but there are a lot of um, great content out there, and there is a and what it does is it sort of democratizes uh, the communication of people, and you can reach out to anybody you want if you wish to, and of course there is still the choice in whether that person wants to respond to you or not. But the fact that you can just be you you have a shot at having a conversation with somebody who you will never be able to reach out otherwise. Uh, so that right. that platform gives I think that's the most amazing aspect of twitter for me um mm. you know you you know you you like somebody and then you can interact with that person and there's a possibility that that they'll reply back and there is a unique connection happening from that point and you're able to reach out to an audience that are far beyond your uh, you know echo chamber or your bubble right so i think that is a very unique aspect of twitter i hope uh, with this taking over of twitter that doesn't change um, right. I think that remains because that essentially is what uh, the the soul of Twitter. If I because I'm an active Twitter user, I I use Twitter as something like um, you know expressing my ideas. Whenever I have an idea, whenever I have a thought, whenever I am listening to something, reading something, and I have something to um, you know share to the larger world, I instantly tweet it. So it also becomes like a like a second mind space for me, or a or an archival space for me. Uh, hmm. and, and and I have had great experiences uh, doing that because I've had people responding to it in a positive way. I've had people coming out to me and say, look, I love your work. I love what you're doing. Uh, I love what you're sharing, uh, you know, be it, be it about uh, cricket or about, about books I read and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think, I hope, it, you know, the whole takeover doesn't change that. And that's my only hope. That's my only, uh, you know, uh, recommendation to Elon Musk if he's hearing this podcast. Yeah. I'm I'm sure he is he is <laughs> making notes right now. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, yeah I, I think also like the the whole idea of uh, the character limit, I yeah. feel that really pushes people to, you know, put their ideas in a very concrete format, right. Um, right. which I feel is what I try to use Twitter mostly for. But uh, yeah, this is definitely something to look forward to. As to yeah. how this space uh, emerges, and yeah, I'm gonna do yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, go on, go on, go on, go on. Sorry. No, no, I was gonna <laughs> say something else, but please continue if you had any more thoughts. I was just saying that you know, speaking um, of Twitter, so another another thing that you know recently come out of the come come out of the news, like Twitter has been the layoffs, right? Uh, not just Twitter, but multiple companies in the tech space have been laying off people. Have you been following the news, Adi? Man, I was just going to say that oh, okay. I'm going to do a better job with the segue this time. <laughs> and that, that is where I was going, but hey, that's okay. great. Let's yeah. move on to our next topic. Yes. <laughs> Layoffs and post-COVID COVID employment. What is yeah. COVID? 
anyway so <laughs> yeah i mean since since this is something i mean obviously the question has to come to you because you mm-hmm. are sort of are specialist in the area of human resources right. first yes. i would like to like ask you why these layoffs are happening like out of like just like a basic understanding then we can build so i would just give you a broad I mean, I, you know, every every layoff, every set of layoffs that would happen is always context specific, organization specific, right? So it's very hard to come to a, a, you know, hard to say that okay, this could be one reason or this would be the one biggest reason why. Uh, but you know, generally, if I list out the reasons for layoffs, you know, one could be you know, major reason behind layoff is that suddenly the role that the person is playing has become redundant, um, or because the project uh, associated with that role or the work that is associated with that role. Uh, has become redundant uh, because suddenly the organization that is promoting that project or the work see, doesn't see a lot of profitability work uh, or doesn't see a lot of futures even in either the present profitability or a future pro- profitability in that work so it's like a cascading uh, set of decisions right so you decide to cut off a certain project or certain work then uh, all the people that are involved in that kind of a work will get impacted right so that's generally how it happens um and and i and i also believe and i'm i'm not an expert in this uh, but uh, you know there is a lot of news around the funding winter so why when i say funding winter what i mean is um suddenly the capital um is the capital is available for investing in startups uh, you know by uh, angel investors venture capitalists and all those investors that are generally investing in uh, in startups uh, have and and the established companies that has come down a lot um because of recession because of post covid recovery because of uh you know the war because of uh, you know many other macroeconomic reasons right um and and because of this the whole butterfly effect you know you must be familiar with it um yeah. the whole the whole cascade of how the economy one act of one act in one part of the economy impacting the other part of the economy lack of demand everything combined together to you know forming a perfect storm and they that leading to organizations laying off people because they feel like you know at this at that rate uh, they won't be sustainable they won't be able to do justice to people uh, who are in those roles who being laid off because uh, the other thing would be then continuing with those people and not having enough work for those people and later it jeopardizing the whole growth of the company itself right so that's the other side of if i if you want to look at the positive side i mean it's a very insensitive thing to say from a um, from a, from a person who's been laid off but from a larger organizational perspective it's also a question of survival right it's also a question of how can you survive this tough time and move ahead with uh, you know without uh, bankrupting your company so mm. right that's the other side of things but you know but you know nothing can replace uh, the the grief and the sorrow that a person would go through uh, who has just lost his job and you know Uh, and in such a time where the market is also not really great the labor market is also not great so it's not easy yeah. to get a job either so yeah so yeah no the, these these uh, are very interesting points cuz building on that only i hmm. i remember reading this on i think linkedin somewhere that hmm. one of the layoffs that meta or facebook did was uh, like the, one of the employees that they laid off actually had i think multiple degrees like specializations also from like reputed institutes like stanford or harvard mm-hmm. i'm not exactly sure which one it was but the, the whole idea behind that was that now i feel um, for people also having mm-hmm. multiple streams of income is going to be something which 
largely will have to focus on because as you can see like even such a mm. person who who has so many degrees and so yeah. many specializations is being laid off so um i think the world definitely probably is already starting to move in that direction with the creator economy being like boosted as we go so yeah yeah true i agree to that because um, the there have been some great steps from indian employers also so this the whole concept is called moonlighting right uh, where okay. uh you know if you are working if you are having a dual employment while you're working if you're having a second employment while you're working for an an organization already uh the the conventional stand is that you know that's not really taken positively by the original employer so they would like okay you can only choose one you choose one and you know most likely that employee would be dismissed from the first job right uh, mm. however however given that uh the you know given that the employee preferences are changing because you know now organ- employers now realize that you know employees can have multiple interests multiple skill sets um you know and and not every skill set of them can be uh, can be of value for one employer so why can't you have on, the, on in their spare time why can't they have their other skill sets used for the other employer who is not really a competitive competitor in their space but maybe like right. a somebody from another company uh so in such a case can you really allow them right that's also a question and that in effect also what it does is um it is not putting a lot of um expectation on the or- the first company to be providing a higher income to the employee because the need for the income also can come from the second the the, the gap that is the income gap can also be um provided by the second company right so yeah. so that that i think that's a win win in a certain way but also it has you know it, these policies have to be very careful while being laid out uh because uh, you know if it's a commercial company because there's a lot of sensitive information handled by the employee because most of the employees handle a lot of sensitive information and uh, it's also the time that is spent on the work you know it's a very thin line right how much time are you able to because the more you grow there is no defined time limit for a given role right it's a it's a fluid kind of a work schedule right so the question of where your current job ends and where the other job starts also very a gray area right Um, definitely yeah right. yeah so ideally like basically the idea is that as an individual at least who's starting their career um yeah. it's more beneficial to build like multiple skills that you can Correct. later on monetize yes. than just yeah. going very specialist uh, in this day and age that would be the best recommendation at least in a post covid world um True. but also True. one more thing uh, when it comes to uh, sort of the way we look at skills uh yeah. the recent development in the genetically modified mustard i mm-hmm. hope you've been following that also uh, so the whole idea is that recently we came up with the genetically mo- modified mustard which is going to be uh, herbicide uh, resistant right yeah. ideally yeah. the crop itself will not require any other spraying mm-hmm. but the problem which this sort of brings to us is the fact that there is a considerable amount of labor force that was employed earlier for mm. the task of spraying these herbicides so yeah. what happens to them and this is a conversation which can then span across to like a lot of other um what do you say fields of work like for example when you look at like uh like silk sari right silk sari right. specifically in the state of bhagalpur where yeah. it's the silk state of uh, sorry silk uh, city of our country yeah, um yeah. 
those workers as as the cost of the cost of those sarees are mm. very high compared to the uh, the sarees that are easily made using the machines yeah. they 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 find themselves in a tough spot so right. what do you True. think like is sort of the solution apart from you know now the government might want to like uh, you know train them and you know help them find different jobs but what kind of solutions can come up with this problem yeah, it's a very ongoing thing right genetic mod- genetically modified plants and organisms right it's a, it's a it's a very it's a, it's a topic where you can take any stand and then you you have solid arguments from both sides that's this is that kind of a topic right so uh, there's a clear answer to this of course because on the one side government has a responsibility or the public in at, at large has a responsibility to support people who are in farming you know including the laborers right so there it's their livelihood we are questioning by introducing this genetically modified crop um where by you know this basic this basic to give you a context this crop just eliminates the need for laborers to come and pluck the herbicides because the plants now right. are themselves self occupied um to prevent herbicides from attacking them right sorry herbs from attacking them um, yeah now when you introduce something like this obviously you don't farmers the the farm owners uh, they don't require the help of the laborers to pluck the herb herbs um yeah. now what will ha- what happens in such a case is on one hand the farmers are losing the farmers are benefited by by not having to employ a lot of laborers for this very minimal labor count the, and then they are able to get back high, higher margin on their crops right so good for farmers uh, but at the same time the laborers are losing out on their livelihood and when laborers are losing out on livelihood at a mass scale the demand for these crops also will drop right so now how will that economy will play out will only the time will can only tell because on one hand the demand is dropping on the other hand the margins increasing so you know it's like a cycle where you know you know everybody needs to be uh, prospering otherwise the economy won't go forward uh, so that it's that sort of a cyclical thing that, you know there's no simple uh, explanation to this but you know what i can think of as a as a long term solution is that you know maybe government can identify this as a as a as a as a as a real challenge and take steps to maybe reskill these people uh maybe give them enough resources to either to be become farmers or to become some sort of a um you know addition to the farming that is not relied on their manual work so it can be like a food it can be like you know support to start food processing units or you know to be able to drive some of the technological interventions in farming you know it can be like running a tractor or or or, or uh, you know having to use some of the harvesters out there harvesting machines out there or in any of this uh, you know uh, you know being being uh, enabling them to be part of the farming value chain which is not really affected by this step so i think that's the easiest and the none but the, yeah that's the thought I, that that's coming to me now yeah So that's like the long term solution long term solution yeah right yeah. right that makes sense um mm. i think this this whole idea of sort of um, the skill that is currently being available being sort of redundant in the context that we're mm. speaking is something which um, is faced multiple times by like humans in general across as as we used some of the examples right now mm. um but another interesting example is not from a skill point but from an output point 
so yeah. this is what i feel um, around the lines of let's say tea right yeah. tea as a commodity itself when it's consumed across it's only consumed across very specific areas and if you look at the the sort of the arc of the consumption it's getting low and low yeah. so the 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 people who are working on the fields you know collecting the leaves and everything um that's another thing where would you want to sort of you know uh, sort of create opportunities for them so one right. thing was that you uh, create ownership for them by giving them that specific land correct so those are some of the things that really come to my mind when i think of this particular problem but yeah. let's yeah let's move on to our next uh, topic which is i think around largely economy but more yeah. specific to our government and government jobs so yeah yeah so this is this is something that came to my mind when i read this article uh, by vivek okay. call is a somebody who i who i follow a lot he comes often in my one of my favorite podcast um, um this is called uh, seen and unseen um he's a regular guest over there so well, seen and a... unseen i think a special shout out i have to say because <laughs> amit varma is probably yeah. the best podcaster yeah. we know yeah i think he's a, he's a god of uh, public policy <laughs> podcast in india for sure <laughs> we both have been following well, him for a long long time yeah elon and amit if you are listening then <laughs> so yeah so this this article is is somewhat personal to me also because you know i have spent some time um preparing for uh, government exams right and so i know what it feels to be part of that race so what this article talks about is why um in the love for government jobs um among the people among indian people are not paid for indian economy so they the the, the reason why he says as because um if you look at the age in which people appear for government jobs and the time they spend pursuing that a large amount of that time um uh, you know during which they pursue this um they are unemployed and which means you know even if you look at the data it is as high as 40 to 45% of the total working population between the age of 18 to 25 so what it means is that half of that population in india is not working but preparing for some exam or the other what it also means is that you know one you're losing out on their um, in the time to work uh, and earn money and progress in life and contributing to the economy and thereby creating demand for the economy and thereby creating the supply that is required for the man you know by the manufacturing sector and so on the whole cascading effect of the economy uh, also the time that they would otherwise be building their skill set to get a job that is more maybe not as great i mean in, in the sense that you know not in the typical sense of a government job but uh, but still good um so what happens here is we because is investing so much time into the preparation of a government job by the okay. time they're out of it they don't really have a backup option right they they're too much invested in this their time and money and and and, and energy and and the the, mind, the mindset is too corrupted now uh, to right. go back looking for a, a better private job so i think it in a way makes a lot of sense um for me looking back and and also at a macro oh, level also yeah. also on this point of government jobs sorry to cut you there but like yeah. the the exam itself right for, for mm-hmm. in your case like you um prepared for upsc right Correct. so yeah. the whole the whole idea of upsc exam itself having that particular format which i think most of my friends who also are preparing would agree that there is a lot of factor of rote learning uh hmm. but also the exam is sort of 
डिजाइन अ वे विच इज वेरी लाइक आउटडेटेड इन द फॉर्मेट इट सेल्फ राइट वॉट यू थिंक दैट इज दैट समथिंग वेर लाइक देन इफ इफ पीपल चेंज दैट इफ गवर्नमेंट डिसाइड्स टू सॉर्ट ऑफ इम्प्रूव द फॉर्मेट ऑफ द एग्जाम विल दिस क्रिएट सम डिफरेंस Yes and no. I think a format mm-hmm. change would is certainly be will will certainly be helpful in the sense that you know it can be a more rounded exam. Um, you know, also testing for what uh, testing for some of the skills that is actually uh, will be used in a role uh, in a civil service role, right? So in a mm-hmm. civil service role, uh, you know, as per my understanding, um, you know, some of the skills that is stated is how well are you able to make decisions um, uh, given the limited number of data points that you have. given the limitations you have uh, so your managerial skills your decision making skills your time management skills your uh, ability to manage human resources natural resources your budgeting skills so you know everything that that um, like pretty much a ceo of a company would would be um, needing to have the skill sets you are mm. expected it you are you are expecting it from a senior level or a junior level i mean regardless of the level uh, anybody right. who is handling a handling a significant post in civil services all right mm-hmm. um so if you are looking for that sort of a skill set why can't you have a, a format that tests that skill set right not just the theoretical knowledge of a certain subject but also right. through case studies or some some um, you know exam that tests their managerial skill set also right i think that's one area that i would like to emphasize and secondly what i would also have been thinking about is if you're giving them if you're giving the aspirants an option to write for 3 4 5 6 years then obviously they are not going to use they are not going to let go of those number of attempts right generally mm-hmm. that's the tendency if you have an option to pursue why okay why not you know maybe yeah. not fourth time lucky fifth time lucky or sixth time lucky right that's mm. the general you know it's like a lottery system right oh i'm not getting it now maybe i'm getting it later right um so i think the reduction of number of attempts uh, could be one um mm. and the second the third point if i if if you you know one can implement would be um the uh, transfer of marks right so if you're writing an exam this year mm. um why do you need to write an exam the next year because you've already proven your skill set right you it's very lit- i believe that very little will change over a period of one year in terms of skill set if you're already if you're qualified in 2021 i'm pretty sure you're qualified for that same role in 2022 as well um, so unless you know unless you have something something very unfortunate happening with your body or mind right? uh, yeah yeah so i think that uh, is that saves a lot of time that's in summary yeah 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 no that makes sense and another thing i this is probably from one of the episodes of uh the scene and the anthin only the the guest i think was mahima vashisht who's who's right. also known for her newsletter uh, called womaning in india yeah. so uh, she shared her uh, journey through through the civil services and another thing which also is there that you know when someone goes and appears for such an exam and clears it also mm-hmm. there is always you know the intention of clearing the exam yeah. is very different from you know the job you get there yeah. so for example as an individual you always wanted to be an iaas officer right and you mm. don't get that but you get some other post yeah. it's always that inferiority or a such complex is always running there at least in the forces as mm. what was discussed in that episode so i feel that sort of a love for example in forest services i think the exam itself is completely sort of different there 
So right. that makes difference in the sense the intention again is sort of pulled there. Yeah. So maybe that could also you know affect the the sort of motivation to sort of clear such exams or you know be in the those forces. Oh yeah, yeah. So one of the funny incidents that I can recall now that you brought up this this whole hierarchy within the civil services, right? Uh, I remember this conversation. Uh, it was something that my friend said uh, that he had with. um you know one of his relatives this friend of mine who got through um i think um either irs or irps or something and he is remember irps or ies if you look at the ranks mm. and if you look at the difference of marks between only a few marks there maybe 10 15 at the max the difference between these marks between these ranks are um, in you know in decimals right so yeah. which means which also is in a way saying that there isn't a lot of difference between the talent this guys has these guys have right um so yeah so this so the conversation that i'm referring to is is he's meeting the relatives and he's like okay you know where are you working and all that and he replies i'm i'm working for so and so and um, suddenly this this whole expression changes um uh, from their side and they like they become very sad and very apologetic and says you know oh, you didn't get through ias you didn't get through ips was such hey. a sad state to be and and then and this guy is like oh man i worked so hard and i'm i'm here and i'm and you know for an outsider they just don't realize how tough it is they just don't realize how tough it is to just to be part of that that list of 900 or 1000 1000 people who are just separated by yeah. few marks so the society i mean they always be hierarchical right their view of doing there always be uh, uh, there is always somebody who is uh, doing better or or um or, or you know you, they look at they look at I mean there are people who will look at life as half empty and uh, you know you should not we can't be looking at we, we can't be taking that as a parameter to judge our success um, you know either in civil services preparation or outside yeah that's i think that's the larger takeaway that i had after you know 3 4 years of attempting civil services yeah Oh, that's that's very uh, sort of a practical example that you provided yeah. there um makes sense um yeah. largely i i feel it's it's a process that evolves with the society and maybe the society evolves with the process also it's a yeah. two way street i guess um yeah. and i felt yeah. i often often felt that you know um if the ultimate objective is to enhance the the efficiency of civil services to make it a better um uh, better set of people who can deliver uh who can deliver better at their own they should have yeah. lat- more lateral entries they should have more experts coming in as um uh as as people incumbents role holders right absolutely yeah Because yeah if you're looking if you're if you're heading a trade agency and if you're an ias officer you and you'd have and one level you know you'd have all the experts coming in uh, on a contractual basis working for you you need to have you need to be an expert to command their respect you need to be an expert to guide them and and con- confront them challenge them creatively right um, you can't be somebody who is just a paper pusher who just uh, you know no matter how good you are in picking up uh, the subject topic you that nothing can replace years of experience years of research going into that particular field and uh, and and i think at least for specialized areas like that you need experts lateral entry folks who will fill in those roles who is now currently filled by journalists and this is not to yeah. say the journalist doesn't belong there is no role for journalist at all there are certainly roles that require journalist people to be occupying there but for certain roles i think lateral entry folks are better suited 
Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Um. Cool. Moving on to our next, uh, and I guess a bit lighter topic. Yes. I think let's un- talk about some movies now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, the movie Kantara. Is yes. that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Kantara. So it's yes. a Kannada movie. Kannada. Movie. Yeah. Let's. So what is this movie about? Like I've been uh, hearing all about it. <laughs> so it, it's a it's a very hard movie to define. Uh, in the sense, you know, it's so it's it's uh, it's directed by this guy called Rishabh Shetty. He's the lead actor as well. Okay. And uh, he's he along with somebody called Rakshit Shetty uh, has been uh, sort of creating a new age of Kannada films. Um, so what I mean to say is that they've you know earlier Kannada films used to be the kind of movies that you would associate. You know, the typical pot pot boilers. formalistic mm. films where you know you ha- you know the story even before you start watching by just by looking at the poster but these guys along with you know few other folks have been changing the way of storytelling they've they've been very uh, forthcoming in uh, picking up very uh, you know grounded topics relatable topics uh, more aesthetically pleasing way of uh, storytelling uh dif- you know open to experimenting with the cinematic styles right and kantara is in many ways an extension of that and the most surprising part of kantara kantara success here is that it has gone on to become a blockbuster right and a global blockbuster you know i, I if i'm if i'm right uh, it has broken a lot of records uh, including the the biggest ones biggest south indian movies one of the biggest south indian movies releasing this year right? and uh, it's very rare for a kannada film i mean of, of course kgf has done it before i mean you do have precedents but but still uh, kantara is not a kgf in that sense because it's not like a it's not a it's not a very mass film uh, where you know you have one central character hogging all the attention you know you have slow motion walks and you know these mm-hmm. you know sweet action sequences or something like that you know it's not like that it's a very grounded film it tells the story of a of a of a community Uh, and then the people oh, are, we, are we are we going to spoilers so if if you oh, are sorry I should, i should be doing it right okay i'll just give you a broad i'll just give you a broad sense of it without revealing any details so it's about a community and the conflict the bit conflict with community and the nature and 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 you know on and the government so it's like a three way conflict on one hand you have the community and you have on the other hand you have uh, the the government and then on the third side you have the the nature So it's about how this conflict plays out in the lives of people, and right. you have few central, central characters, and along with that, you on top of that, you add a layer of uh, Southern Karnataka traditions, uh, right. their tribal traditions, their symbolism, um, you know, and 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 yeah, and that that's in summary what the movie is about. I urge everyone who who wants to uh, enjoy a good film, go and watch this film uh, if possible in theaters because it's uh, you know the visuals are so great, the music is so lovely. uh the images are so rich um the characterization the 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 sound and the whole experience itself needs to be uh, you know it has to be a theatrical experience as opposed to a small screen one so i would recommend uh, everybody to go and watch this yeah yeah awesome so that's, yeah that's yeah. Uh, that's the movie suggestion for for me yeah Yeah, and 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 yeah. The, moving on to the other one, I think uh, one other topic. Now, now that we've covered the theatrical part, I'll move on to the one that I really enjoyed in the smaller screen. Um, <laughs> this is something called uh, Drive to Survive, and I'm sure a lot of listeners already have uh, you know seen this because it's a very it's a it's a, it's a global sensation already. 
the reason why it's a global sensation because it covers motorsports specifically f1 in a way that has never been covered before right f1 uh, has been um, you know it, for you know it's a global mo- it's a global sport um, but it's you know it, it's always been uh, famous among a very niche set of people right i mean you, you have you will find hardcore fans but it was not as popular as something like a football or a tennis or, or something like that right, right. Uh, and, and it had geographical limitations also so f1s f1 would be famous in those countries where you would have uh, the f1 tracks and people who were competing um, from their countries in in the f1 uh, race obviously those countries will follow the f1 for obvious reasons right. but uh, what the documentary does is that it helps the sport to transpire those boundaries transcend those boundaries and uh, go to for example uh, f1 was never popular in us uh, nascar nascar used to be popular in us but f1 just made us because it got released this, this documentary got released in netflix and uh, it had huge um, followers in us it suddenly got popular and it and the economic the financial effect it had on the sport suddenly there's a lot of influx as suddenly there's a, there's a huge uh set of people who want to watch uh people are tuning into tvs people are tuning people are subscribing to channels to watch to watch the f1 live telecast um there is a lot of ad revenues coming in there a lot of merchandise being purchased there's a lot of fans being created for these teams which is which uh not been done before so suddenly there is a lot lot of people coming in and you know people in sports equivalent to money right more the eyeballs greater the revenue so it's a it's a unique case of um a documentary creating a financial change in the sporting ecosystem right right so yeah so, i think yeah so correct me if i'm wrong cuz i i'm not following this as much as you probably like um when you say f1 is it is it just the cars or is it does it also include like what i remember as the game moto gp where it used to be a bike is, are those two different things so these are two different things obviously because f1 uh, f1 is specifically uh, it's a term called for the top tier uh, racing of right. specific f1 cars right, um, right. so and whereas moto gp is a uh, is, is two wheeler racing uh, sports right. bike race racing it's a different organization different sport altogether um so f1 this this documentary does exactly this right where people who have no idea about what motor 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 um, motor race uh, motor car racing is all about uh, it uh. gives a insight into what goes into that the technical aspects of things the drivers what they go through um you know uh, where they coming from uh, the emotions they go through when they when they are driving how do they survive so much pressure literally right uh, as in you know you are experiencing i think maybe maybe i'm wrong here but so much of gravitational force equivalent to traveling to space or going underwater so right. so you actually lose a lot of weight after a race so how do you how do you keep how do you cope up with that sort of physically demanding uh, exercise uh, how do you cope up with the pressure to succeed among this elite group of 20 people who are racing and it's not like you're right. racing with people in the same car right you the cars are different their strengths and their weaknesses are different uh, mm. so somebody who's a great driver for a certain car can may not be a great driver for another car so it's about fitting the finding the right fit driver car fit as well um and and yeah so it was 
is so captivating in that way because you're hearing people talking about their lives their lives in the race and outside of race so yeah i think that way it really humanizes those people uh, right. i i think it definitely sounds something i need to watch <laughs> based yeah, on my uh, knowledge um yes. where can one find this is this amazon netflix. prime this is netflix netflix yeah 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 awesome so um yeah that's great <laughs> do you have any recommendations before we sign off yes definitely um yeah. so for me i think listening to podcasts i found uh, yes you're the podcast more... guru yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is podcast inception yeah <laughs> so yeah. recommending another podcast called vartalab which oh, is yeah. um, which is an very interesting podcast and it's largely just two friends having a conversation just like us just like us um, yeah. yeah so it it has navin who uh, was one of the co-host uh-huh. and um, i think what's the other guy's name how am i forgetting this uh, wait hold on that's okay we can post it in the show notes later uh sorry akash yeah akash, akash. and navin <laughs> Akash this is yeah. yeah so akash yeah. and navin they both uh, have these conversations which are largely very casual and that's what i like about it they mm-hmm. they share stories around um, you know sort of life they're having and specifically the episodes of the, this particular podcast where there are these recent comedians that you'll find mm-hmm. for example sumit saurav or yeah so definitely check mm-hmm. that out i think that's yeah. definitely something which um, interested me in this last one uh, week Where can where can the yeah. listeners find this? Any any podcasting uh, platform starting from yeah. YouTube, you can. I yeah. prefer uh, the Google Podcast, which is okay. uh, the best platform yes. that I would suggest. But yes. you can Simple go to Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can also go to Spotify or Apple Podcast if you are an iOS uh, user, which yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I would <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you never know you never know we might have uh, you know listeners from us yeah yeah definitely and uh, <laughs> let's not uh, uh, let's not piss off any sponsors <laughs> like apple Sorry. is going to sponsor us but okay <laughs> of positivity and yes. w- one more recommendation of podcast if i have uh, yeah. the opportunity to i would say cyrus says it's one yeah. of the uh the in-house podcast of IVM which usually is something which i really like with some spec- specific guest i yeah. think that's a combination you'll figure out when you start listening to it yes uh, in my mind uh, cyrus says would be the ultimate comedy podcast out there indian indian comedy podcast out there for sure english based as an english Engl- in english language uh, i don't think cyrus says has any uh, any rivals Uh, Definitely, I think it's it, entertainment factor. Yeah. It's one of the more more consistent ones, also. Like they keep coming up with new episodes, and that's a factor which adds in a long run. But yeah. um, what would you like to recommend? Uh, I think I have been, I've had enough of recommendations. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I think uh, if I'm to recommend a podcast, it would be one that I listened this week would be uh, Farnham Street. Uh, Farnham Street is a Uh, is a podcasting channel that covers a lot of areas behavioral economics management philosophy um, you know it's it usually done in interview format and i i really love it because it it throws up a lot of insights that otherwise you wouldn't recognize otherwise you wouldn't uh, take notice and 
yeah and and it's it's a slightly longer format podcast it's usually ranges between one and a half hours to two hours so what i would do is i would um, break it up and listen to it when i am either doing my work uh, housework or right. working, working out or or traveling uh, you know so yeah so nice. usually you know in, in three parts or four parts i would finish it but yeah i would recommend this to everybody uh, farnam street and they have a newsletter also Um, oh so, yeah. nice yeah yeah nice so awesome that's that's all from our side i think on this yes. this episode of return uh, of content factory. factory yes, yes. <laughs> so, so reach us yeah. out uh, where where should, where should the listeners find us um they should find us uh, nowhere <laughs> <laughs> come on <laughs> everywhere everywhere on the yeah Everywhere, I mean, all uh, the time, all the ones. Yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> you can find <laughs> us. Um, I mean, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Rudresh Daya. That's my um, Instagram username. Oh. Or on Twitter, Branham Effect. If you're oh. up for Elon Musk new revelations, um, <laughs> go for it. And LinkedIn also, just like search. <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah. What about you? Where can so people I, find I am, you? I am uh, there on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Gautam J G O U T A M J A Y, and uh, we have a Content Factory um, Instagram page also. Just type uh, this yes. is Content Factory, and uh, I am also I'm on Twitter also. I'm my Twitter handle is Gautam J B G O U T A M J A Y B E, Gautam J B, and uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Just type my name, uh, you'll find me. Um, on LinkedIn as well. So reach out to me there, and don't forget to subscribe to our Content Factory podcast either in Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen the podcast from. Also, we are offering yes. our newsletters. So go to uh, use this Google Content Factory Substack. You will find our newsletter there. Subscribe to it. We are releasing it. We are trying to release it um, um, twice in every month. uh try to bring out all the great recommendations for you i and rd are working so hard on it right rd yes in in yeah. short guys just like google everything <laughs> yes. you can google just... everything you can and yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah, of course yeah, we reach out yeah, so is this job i <laughs> 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 listeners but uh, yes. yeah. i mean elon will do a good job uh, anyway sign in off yeah. uh, then yes all right bye bye Bye-bye. bye bye have a good week bye bye